0: Orville Roach.
1: Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer and co-host, Chris Morales.
2: No engineer in the title this week, huh? (laughs) (laughs) We got new graphics. We do have new graphics. I'm having fun with this over here. We're like a uh, a 767.
1: We don't need the engineer anymore that they used to have in
2: in the planes. Sure, or maybe a blog talk had were tired of us uh talking about their their technical difficulties.
1: All right. Six four six five six four ninety nine zero nine is the number. Six four six five six four ninety nine zero nine. If you want to call and speak to us today. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org. dot org. That's O C G W O R K S dot O R G and click on the O C G Radio Live button. Or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. You don't have to call in on the call in line to listen to the show unless that's your only means. And by all means, do it. <laughs> it is 61 degrees and oh, yes, in Northern California. And if I heard the weather reports, a few days ago, it was still uh, snowing, icy. snowing, raining,
2: and ice. For icy back east?
1: Um, back east, but uh, that's okay. Uh, spring has arrived. So, but see, that's a trick. On the eastern sea, even in the northeast, when spring arrives, because we've had some of our worst, see, I still say our, worst snowstorms hmm. after after the
2: vernal equinox, exactly.
1: I'll never forget opening day of the baseball season, 1983. We got 26 inches.
2: Holy smokes. Yeah, okay.
1: So, All right. Let's go to our uh, recap. Happy recap. Have you found a
2: doo 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 Still looking, still looking for that uh, that one soundbite. Still looking for an intro to a happy. Well, one weekend. in particular that it's not so much a surprise anymore. I think you know what I'm looking for, but hard to find. Hard
1: to find the clip. Hard to find. I think he took care of all of his uh, his 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 voice clips before his passing.
2: Oh okay. He make
1: sure none of them was going to be available
2: for free. <laughs> That's what it's looking like.
1: All right. Uh we wanna thank uh Horace Barnes last week for a wonderful personal story segment absolutely um I got a lot of great feedback uh We focus and revel in the success story that he is uh but but we can't overlook him for uh, falling for the okie doke about there being uh, horseback riding
2: uh, <laughs> on his way to club bed uh, up at the residential <laughs> facility. right right. So, uh but he wasn't the only one
1: that fell for it, but and trust me, we used it after that.
2: Oh yeah. That was a great part of the story, being from Miami and thinking he was off to a country club
1: of sorts. That's right. Uh I'm gonna go right into our show topic. Um I don't have anything else but um, on recap unless you got anything.
2: No, other than maybe just some further clarification to that gentleman who called with a great question that in no way did I nor will I ever refer to you or any caller as an idiot. (laughs) The idiom, which is what we were referring to, (laughs) uh, definitely not an idiot. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think you got it. Um, Treatment and recovery, the third trimester. And I have in parentheses, is it re entry or is it entry?
2: Hmm. All depends on your perspective. Yeah. Am
1: I echoing in your headset or is that just my headset?
2: Must be in yours and yours alone because I hear no echo. Okay. All right. so I just want to make sure. All right.
1: Um, the
2: third trimester.
1: So you've made it through the second. You've put in the work, we hope. Yes. You've dug deep. You've uncovered. You've you've uh, became honest, trusted, trusted in your environment, shared what you had to share, talked about what you had to talk about, worked on what you had to work on, Use the Michigan Proven Grounds. That's right. Okay. And now you move into a period of time where it's time to start testing it out a little bit. Fair enough. Time to see if if I've, I've if the work if I've actually done the work and if the work I've done is going to pay dividends.
2: Safe to say, treatment wise, that the third. Maybe the easiest of the three as far as treatment is concerned, but very anxiety-provoking or challenging in another way. Because
1: treatment, in quotations, is dialed down. Right, right. And and now it's really about real-life practice. Yeah, it's about real-life practice. It's about you, Um, and we're we're just, you know, hanging back, and we're basically, you know, you're the little birdie in the nest, and we're just... uh, um, well, well how, how can we put it nicely? Booting you out—that's
2: <laughs> it. <laughs> Time to go,
1: <laughs>
2: but it's practice.
1: Now, when I say booting you out, I'm not saying we're booting you out permanently. But we're, you're going out of that. You know, if you're in a residential setting, you're going out of the house a lot more. You know, you're going home to you know to you know to really start that reuni- reunification process with the family. That's right. Um, you're going out on requests, getting, getting back involved in society. You know what I mean? You're going, um, if you had, you know, if you had no prior experience in terms of socialization, it was about now, this is the time where you're now practicing socializing, uh, doing positive and constructive things rather than negative and destructive things, um, developing maybe new hobbies or learning about new things to uh that would that make you feel good to replace you know the 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 highs or the feelings that you were looking for from, through through drugs and alcohol et cetera. how can i bring the natural endorphins back to life yep and uh, that's through doing things that bring you pleasure, things that you enjoy, being around people you like, things of that nature. And so we you start that process, you start to re-engage that in that third trimester. And that's also where, uh, you know, even though there's different parts of treatment, the first and the second, that you may experience fear. And we're going to tell you, you know, you're going to have to put that fear in your back pocket. And push through, push forward. As you noted, Mr. Producer, there's a different, different type now because you're no longer engulfed in the cocoon,
2: yeah, the shelter of warmth of yes. the womb. Well, you're
1: still in the womb, so to speak. Uh,
2: but there's, you're, you're you, starting can, to feel a draft. Oh
1: yeah, there's a draft coming in. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a draft coming in. And uh, we we, are, we want you to get a taste, and then come back and let us know what it, what was it like. What was it like going home and uh, you know getting back with your family, sitting down having dinner, or going out to the movies, or or just sitting down in the living room and socializing and talking with your family. What was that? What did it feel like? What was the experience like? And so. That whole that whole part of that is experiencing the experience and then coming back and being able to articulate how you felt about the experience. You know that's a test also. That's right. You know what I mean? Because uh, when you come back, we're gonna say, well, all right, what'd you do? Oh, I went to here. I visited here. I went, you know, I had a nice conversation with my moms, my pops, my sister, my you know whatever. And you know, we went to this place and that place. We had dinner. So those are the things you did. And we're going to say, how'd you feel? How'd you feel? Right. How'd you feel having, you know, sitting down having dinner, being clean and sober and, you know, clear of mind and clear of thought for the first time in 10 years around your family? How was that? And we want you to be able to articulate that now at the third trimester. We certainly don't want to hear, it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was all right. Right. That's not what we want to hear.
2: Give us the truth. We
1: want to hear you, you to be able to put everything that you've learned and be able to speak the language of articulating your feelings. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I was afraid a little bit. I was nervous. Um, I was a little uncomfortable. Um, but I fought through it. You know, so that's what we want to hear because. The truth is is that almost everyone would feel the same way in those similar circumstances.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Now, what separates people is what you do with those feelings. Do they dictate how you behave, or do you overrule them so so for example. Yeah, I haven't really sat down, I had dinner with my family clean and sober in ten years and so I'm gonna be nervous, scared, I don't know what this, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm gonna be talking about, you know, I I just haven't done it. And so when that moment of truth comes and those feelings start to awash you, are uh, you going to jump up from the dinner table and right out the front door and say, I can't
3: do this <laughs>
1: Right. Or are you going to be going to the cabinet and taking out the Jack Daniels and pouring yourself a couple of shots to get you through it? Right. No, no. 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 No, We're not going to do that. We're going to power up those engines. I think I'm going to start using a lot of uh uh aero aero uh, aircraft aircraft airplane uh, speak. uh metaphors. You're going to power up those engines and you're going to push on through and you're going to take those. You're going to acknowledge those feelings to yourself. You're gonna be aware to be aware to be alive. You're gonna be aware of how you're feeling, but your mind's gonna say, "I got to do this." And we have role played this already. So you're gonna revert back to what you've practiced and use that. So, Dad, how's work been?
2: Right, right.
1: Mom, how's things been gone with Aunt uh, whatever her name is? What's Jenny? her name? Aunt Jenny.
2: <clears throat>
1: Sis, how's school? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we role played we'll play the how you real can learn how to have conversation within the family unit um, sitting at the dinner table. Yeah. And being on the receiving end of possible interrogation.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true.
1: So, John, how much longer you got to, for this treatment thing that mm-hmm. you're going through? Why am I going to get the money back for my car that you crashed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? The restitution speaking. You,
1: you never know what might
2: come your way. You have to be able to. You got to be open.
1: You got to be open. And you have to be able to deal. You know, Dad, well, first, your first question, Dad, is I got about, you know, a month or two left um, before I'm going to be uh, officially, you know, moving into the aftercare portion or you know, turning it down a notch in terms of the intensity of my treatment um and and you know i I do have to make restitution to you know anything that I have
0: any damages
1: that I've caused to this family in any way shape or form that the you know that that's part of my process of 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 rebuilding my life, yep, and so you you have to fight the urge to revert back to what you might have said you know, during the addiction phase and that question came, you know, right. what about my car? You know, you might have said, Fuck <laughs> you, you and your car.
2: You might have told him where he could go.
1: <laughs> where he can go and what he can do with the car sitting in the driveway that can't be driven. Yep. Because the front end is smashed in. Yep. And the front bumper is hanging off. Because you drove it one night under the influence. And the reminder is still sitting there in the driveway. So you have to be able to Deal with those things as they come. Um, developing new interests, because remember we talked about people not being able to deal with boredom. Yeah, it's okay? a tough one, folks. And so we hope that people are either working, or if they're not working, that they're occupying their time constructively, whether whether it's through some vocational training or higher education or you know whatever it may be. Um, but outside of that, you know, there's still time that you need to be occupying yourself with something constructive. That's right. And it's not 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is not humanly possible and it's also counterproductive because you must be able to enjoy doing
2: nothing, nothing
1: And, and, and it'd be okay and deal with it. Right. Because if you have to be doing something 24 hours a day, seven days a week in order to say, that's the only way that I am not going to use or the only way I'm going to be able to stay clean is if I'm occupied twenty four hours a day, seven days
2: a week. It's not realistic. It's not realistic
1: at all. And and I I can't say that your 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 outcome long term that way is going to be successful. These things have to be adjuncts to your life. Right, you know what I'm saying. Um, we're replacing, you know, people. Sometimes you know, getting high, using, almost became like a job. Yeah, you know, you you did it for so, but so many hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you didn't take any vacations from using, you didn't take any days off from using. Oh. so it was almost like your job. And That's so true. you 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 almost like you have to flip the script, and. If you if you started using it at a very young age, more work needs to be done because that means you didn't you didn't have time to develop interests. You know, if you started using before you know, before twelve, thirteen, fourteen, where you, you didn't get the chance to you know develop things that you might like to do in life and, and yeah, and, live
2: that part right, of your life.
1: So that, so you have something to go refer back to. You know, when someone might say, well, well, what did you like doing before you got high? Well, I started getting high at eleven so you never got to start right you know what i mean but you know if you got high you started getting high in high school or later in you know post high school you may have had an opportunity like i got I was involved in sports i liked this or i liked doing that so you have something maybe to fall back on as a starter of to re-involve yourself in um but if you if you don't have that then during that second trimester period part of the work is what are, some, what are your interests? What are some of the things you're going to be doing that you might like to, you know, that could that you can possibly enjoy to help, you know, take up some of your time? And, by the way, we, it, it's not taking up your time just for the sake of taking up time. It's really, no, I think I really enjoy doing that.
2: Yeah, right, of and, course. And
1: whatever amount of time you end up doing it is because you love doing it, not because you got some little book you got to write, you know, I got to spend one hour on uh, watching birds and two hours fishing and, well, yeah. three, you know, just to, like, take up time. You might decide you like, you know, NASCAR, and it's like, dude, I'm into it. I'm at the Sears Racetrack in, uh, where's it located? well Sonoma? or it's Sonoma County, you know, every weekend. And I'm on the NASCAR, you know, you know what I'm saying? You find right. something that you love, and you just, boom, you get consumed by it. It's positive. It's good.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah, you can't do things simply for the sake of doing things because I need to do things to keep my mind occupied. <laughs> Otherwise that's homework that eventually goes, I don't want to do this homework anymore. Yeah. No, you don't have to tell somebody who loves football that the game is on on Sunday and that they're going to want to watch it. That's just, Hey, this is what I like to do at the, you know, and so it's going to be done mm-hmm. as opposed to, Oh, if I don't do this, then relapse is eminent. So God, let me drag myself through this. Let me open of... my book up and see what's. <laughs> yeah, you don't get sober to be miserable, right? That's right. for sure. Otherwise, it's not going to work.
1: One of the things we have written in our this, in our uh, description also is uh, about Mama.
2: I saw that Mama being
1: uh, Mama being tired of carrying you, and I asked the question: Who's Mama in this metaphor? Yeah. Well, there's the real mama that's carrying you in her third trimester. Yep. And in our metaphor of the third trimester, the mama that's carrying you, the treatment setting. Yep. The environment that has cocooned you. That's right. For whatever amount of time. And it doesn't. We don't necessarily mean the residential environment because it can be an outpatient environment that has cocooned you. So you've had a place to go where you've been safe from the realities of the outside world for whatever amount of time. And
2: um, we're kind of tired of you. That's it. <laughs> we can't hold you forever.
1: Right. It's about you know now it's time to kick you out the nest and um, or 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 like you said, uh, let you feel the draft. That's right. A little bit. Coming through uh, underneath the door or, or through the window. Um, and get used to stepping out on your own a little bit. Put one toe out, maybe a foot, a leg, an arm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At a time. <laughs> and uh, live to come back and tell us about it. That's the key. You come back and you talk about it, you share about it. Do you hear that when I said talk? Yeah, I'm noticing it more. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything I can do about it. You guys used to make fun of me.
2: Yeah, That's yeah. The there's York still accent. some. There's still some being made fun of behind your back. Yeah, I'm
1: sure Absolutely. there is.
2: Especially when you guys say water. Yeah, water. Coffee is yeah. also a is a good one. But um, since I don't
1: drink coffee, you guys can't get you we don't, get we me on here. Very water, often, no, know, I drink a lot of water. Yo, what
2: you got there? Water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, no, that's um, that's right, and oh, please, and the going out to experience that draft, um, also, and I guess this is from the other end of the spectrum, when you're a staff in the setting or you are the community, please allow uh, room for error. <laughs> If we've gone out to experience the draft and the draft was a little stronger than we expected, mm-hmm. knocked us off our path a little bit, let's uh, let's be understanding of that and be human to that and uh, understand that that's a part of the process. That is crucial to anyone's development. And by the way, you can't experience a draft if you're sent out with a couple draft blockers. If you if you know what I, if you know what I mean by that
1: yes if you have uh, bodyguards if you or, have the
2: offensive line
1: or or <laughs> or another expression reminders. minders yes to uh, watch your every step and point your every way <laughs> no those days are over
2: you're not leaving the cocoon in that case the cocoon is coming with exactly. you exactly <laughs> you're you're taking the mobile cocoon
4: <laughs>
1: right um, and that can't be no um. We want to see you have to be
4: exposed
1: to the real world in order to put the tools that you should have uh, internalized um, to the point that they are almost second nature. It's hard to say that in the length of time people now spending treatment is averse to, you know, days long gone, that they get enough time to really internalize instinctually. You don't agree?
2: No, I do. And can I can I allow me to digress just a little bit mm-hmm. here? I don't know for those of you listening out there, there is a show called Intervention on A and E. And so this is a show where there is an addict in need of help. They have agreed to let a film crew come in for documentary purposes and document their their life and their struggle. What they do not realize is that they'll face an intervention at the end of the episode with the family and everything else. They blindside the addict, and this is the ultimatum. This is the final, hey, you will accept this offer for free treatment today, or the family's cutting you off, we're turning off our cell phones kind of thing. Well, anyway, I watched, and the end is so predictable Mm -hmm. because the way the episode ends is, Nine out of ten times, because they're airing the episode, they usually don't air the ones where the person says, I'm not going to treatment. You usually see the ones where, in the end, even though it's a struggle, they agree, okay, I'll do the treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, 90 days. <laughs> 90 days at you know, uh, uh, Club Miami on, <laughs> on the beach or wh- whatever sponsors mm-hmm. the programs that want to be on the show for, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, whatever benefit they get from this marketing. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're talking racquetball courts and the Mm -hmm. whole nine. And when you work in the field, you see this 90 days. I already know what the outcome is going to be. And then they will give you a little paragraph where the person is now. I don't know if I have yet seen an episode where within a couple of weeks, every individual in the episode has relapsed or is back to using. Um, And true, yes, relapse is a part of recovery, but... 90 days is like, and these addicts were in deep. We're not talking about people who smoked a little pot and Mm -hmm. got laid off because Mm -hmm. of it. We're talking deep, heavy addiction here. 90 days later, what do you expect? So kind of just to touch on what you were saying about how, you know, a year used to be the norm or plus, and now we just don't, and it has to do with many things, politically and otherwise, and funding and yada yada, but 90 days, man, that's...
1: And all... You know, normally in any other discipline, um, empirical evidence drives how they treat, how how they go about their business. Right. And so even in medicine, empirical evidence guides how they might treat a disease or treat, you know, uh, an illness or so on and so forth.
2: That's exactly right. Substance use disorder
1: is the only one where empirical evidence does not drive... How treatment is, is uh, applied, right? Because all the empirical evidence says the longer a person has access to, to treatment, the longer they're in treatment, the better the outcomes. Period. Okay. Yeah, Especially period. when you're dealing with long-term addicts. Yeah. You know, not and, you know, again, not the person who's just been smoking weed and you know has been using for you know six months, eight months. But when you get someone, because oftentimes they they if like a new a new funding source or a new program will come around, right, and they say, okay, we got we we could we we got some money for treatment, right, and they think that the the per, the people that they're going to be able to spend the money on are very a very you know light use.
2: Okay, sure. And then they At the get the beginning.
1: So right, to speak. Then they get the the reality hits them that every single person coming to for help is. So, I've been using 10 years, I've been using 15, 20, 25 years, and they realize, oh, goodness, this 90 days is not is not going to work. No. Now, let to just to be fair, there are people who have succeeded with 90 days of treatment.
4: Sure, oh, but yeah. But the
1: caveat, is that the way you Californians
2: say it? The caveat? caveats Cav, like Cleveland Cavaliers. Not caveat. Yeah, the caveat. No, is yeah. come on, man. I just said it three times. You repeat it. And you say it is wrong. Is
1: that the after you leave the ninety days of residential treatment, that there is intense aftercare to try and maintain that? You know that that sure. that um the momentum, momentum a,
2: little or... a little bit.
1: And so, you know, once the person goes into aftercare after that short intervention, though they're kind of exposed. They're very exposed. And, and and that's where, you know, the danger comes in in terms of losing them. But, when, but if you have them for at least six months or even more, but at least six at months. At least
2: give us six. Yeah, at least, at least months, give us six.
1: Yeah. So the people that get to experience these first and second and third trimesters are people who are fortunate enough to have a longer term of treatment. Yeah. Because you can't, obviously, you cannot go through these trimesters the, the first, second, and third trimester are 90 days. There's no... The first trimester is not a month long. Second no. trimester is not a month long, and the third trimester is not a month long.
2: And I was just going to ask, and I don't know, thinking back on listening to the episodes, have have we, we clarified what these time frames look like and what we're deeming to be the first and second and third trimester Similar in, almost to that of a pregnancy, right? Yeah, You're looking at nine months.
1: Exactly. Empirically, that's exactly what it it, it,
2: uh, yeah. it
1: kind of adds up to. Because... The the first 90 days of a person being in treatment is the most important part of getting just getting them in and right. and and situated in there and you know what we talked about about the first trimester. Right. So if that becomes the whole treatment episode, then where does the second trimester? What happens in the second trimester and the third trimester? Where does that take place? So. Theoretically, then, that's supposed to take place in an outpatient setting. setting. Well, you really can't, you can't do, do that type of intense work in an outpatient setting because there's it. too much exposure, okay? You you can't get the – remember we said in the second trimester, we need to be focused, like laser-focused, undivided attention.
2: And the counselor's pushing a little bit. Exactly.
1: Right, because we know that this is where the work needs to be done. So – if you were in residential for ninety days and then outpatient after that, the, the, the trimesters would not have the same effect like they do if you're able to keep someone in the residential setting.
2: Right. So not
1: saying that you couldn't do the trimesters in an outpatient setting. It just in our, my opinion. My just my humble opinion
2: oh, I, it wouldn't have
1: the same uh effect.
2: Right. No, I completely agree. Yeah. So in the residential setting you're looking at inception of three months, first trimester, three to six middle third 6 to 9 um yeah no there's no way you see because for me uh the whole part the whole point of being in a treatment setting like you said the cocoon mm-hmm. the safe environment it it harbors safety and trust and everything else well if the counselor knows okay second trimester we're going to do a little work there's going to be a little bit of digging prying we're pushing a little bit mm-hmm. that even if you leave a one-on-one or something with your counselor feeling a little exposed, mm-hmm. a little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You just The counselor knows I'm releasing you now into this cocoon mm-hmm. where your peers can help you pick up the pieces and put you back together. Right. And Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I feel okay leaving my client in this mindset because I know the community is going to help deal with that. As opposed to... Putting them on the bus. You're going home now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, and uh, you're not in a safe environment. And mm-hmm. so that... Yeah, no, 90 days. Come on, man. Let's get real about that, can we? Any politicians out there listening? Decision makers? <laughs>
1: Let's uh, get real. Money. The person who pulls the strings on the money? Yes, absolutely. All right, so mama is the environment. That's what we were talking about. Mama is the environment. Um, in the metaphor that we're using it. And uh, the environment is now saying it's time for you to go out and test the waters. She's ready for you to step out, put the tools to work, test them out. And the purpose of that, as we've been talking about, is now is the time when we expect Let me tell you what we don't expect. We don't expect perfection. And there is no such thing as perfection in what we're talking about. We're not getting esoteric. We're just talking about people in recovery. There's no perfection. Everyone's going to uh, make a bad decision or a mistake. Often you may hear me mention, by the way, Decision and mistake. And when people are in treatment, they use the words interchangeably, and I don't allow them to do that for for a very important reason. There's a distinct difference between a decision and a mistake. And when people are either in the second trimester or, more importantly, in the third trimester where they're going to be exposed to society, okay, and they're going to go out, experience things, and then come back and and talk about them and share about them, there's going to be things they're going to be talking about about decisions they made or mistakes they've made. And it's important to know the difference between the two. So here's the difference.
2: You're going to allow me to guess on this? All right,
1: you can guess first. What's the difference between a decision and a mistake?
2: In my world, a mistake, and it's hard for me to imagine an adult making a mistake, but a mistake is when you don't know the difference. You don't know the difference between right or wrong. You made a mistake and so, to me, mistakes can only be made by children, I guess. And yeah, you know, so I'm interested to hear your outlook on this. And the decision is so you knew the difference between right or wrong, and you made a poor decision in a certain situation, or you made a good decision, or whatever the case may be. But it was not a mistake, because a mistake is when there is a level of ignorance or is it naivety or naivety? I don't know how to naive when you're naive. Naivete. Yeah, when you how do how do we pronounce that? But uh, that to me is what a mistake is when you when you've made a, a decision, so to speak, without knowing the difference between right or wrong.
1: I will give you a A minus on your answer. Okay. The only thing I would add, which would have made it a B plus, would is that a mistake is devoid of enough information. So you when you said you you know you're ignorant to really what's the the circum the situation or the circumstance sure. where you can then make an informed decision. Yeah. So since you don't have the information, you still have to make a decision. But you, you might end up yep. making the wrong one because you don't have enough information to help you. True. And so and if it turns out being the wrong one, you could say okay, that was a mistake. But now from that mistake, we learn, and if we're ever presented with that situation again, we now know what the correct decision, the
2: decision should be. Sense.
1: And, of course, a decision with just like you said. You have enough information, enough experience to know what what you should choose to do. Right. Okay? And if you choose to do the wrong thing, don't walk in and say, I made a mistake. I said, no, 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 no. That's not a mistake. You made a bad decision. Yep. You made an error in judgment. Okay, so we always have to clarify that when we're dealing with, you
2: know, the the,
1: the client coming back and, and sharing about their experiences.
2: And I also think to claim that you've made a mistake is a way to devoid yourself of ownership. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, uh, there's no sort of accountability for error. I didn't know, I didn't know. It was an innocent <laughs> mistake. No, 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 no. So, not to say it doesn't happen. Sure. Not to say it doesn't happen, but
1: we have to understand the difference between the two.
2: Yeah. I yeah, I completely agree with with that outlook. Um and I think that's why I said like when you get to a certain age, we all know life is about choices, life is about decisions. You're going to make the you're going to lay in the bed that you make, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um but you, there's got to be accountability. There's got to be accountability. Okay, so you made a poor choice. It's not the end of the world. You made a bad decision. Let's let's learn from that. Let's take a look at maybe why you made that decision, how you can make a different decision next time. Uh, but it was not done, you know, free of, free, you know, free of accountability or just out of, you know, innocence, so to speak.
1: Let's talk a little bit about what you briefly mentioned that's also important in, in the third trimester is the, even though, excuse me, <clears throat> even though um, in the real third trimester, the the fetus is actually running out of room and space okay and okay. our metaphor Starting though to close in on yeah, you a little bit <laughs> but in our metaphor we actually have to and this is one of the things as a staff person as a, a as a as a, a counselor working with uh people in recovery sometimes there's an instinct to uh, narrow the space for bad decisions or mistakes as they move into the third trimester when, in fact, that's when the space has to be opened up. Right. Because we have to make the person feel that there is, there, is, there is room to make a bad decision. Sure. There is room for mistakes because I want you to trust me that if you go out and make a bad decision, that you can come back and we can talk about it we can dig into it we can get into it we can analyze it and that's the only thing i'm going to say to you after we get into it is okay guess what you're going right back out there again right so now you're armed with a little bit of experience a little bit more knowledge a little bit more you know you felt some consequences as a result of a decision as a result of a decision you made the space has to be there and I, as a client, have to feel that the space is there. Now you know. You know you've been you 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 worked as a counselor. Uh huh. You've been around many counselors. I have indeed. And and you know that sometimes there's an instinct to do the opposite. Oh yeah, protect, which is to narrow the space,
2: protect, tighten up,
1: yeah. okay, and not leave room for error, or what have you, and. It always totally counterproductive. Yeah, it it always you know I my, I never understood that because there is no the, the person is not going to be perfect. You know what I'm saying? As they're they're okay. Let I got these tools. I've internalized them. Now I'm going to be put in situations, not in the cocoon, but outside of the cocoon. See, in the cocoon, we care about you, so we're not going to purposely hurt your feelings even though it may happen sometimes in the cocoon or in the womb, okay? But outside of the womb, nobody gives a rat's ass about how you feel. So your feelings are going to get hurt. People aren't going to care about you, other than those who love you and care about you. But the rest of society doesn't give a rat's. So you're going to get a taste of that. And so... If you have had time to internalize the tools of how to deal with that, now we're saying, okay, the third trimester is where you get to tr- to, to experience it, practice, and then come back and tell us about it. And I love that part. I, I, I'm, I'm always dying to hear, what was it like? Yeah. What did you feel? What was the experience like? Good, bad, or ugly? Right. And I'm not passing, and we shouldn't pass. Listen carefully to this, because I know this is going might be controversial, I have to <laughs> lock my car doors after this one, because <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be misinterpreted. But we shouldn't pass judgment, okay, in the third trimester. That doesn't mean you don't hold accountable. Of course. Okay? But we shouldn't pass judgment to the point that the person feels, wow, I can't... I'm 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 walking out of here and Counselor John has just, you know, ripped me a new one um because, you know, I made a bad decision when I was out there, you know, I didn't relapse, but you know, the way I handled the situation that came my way, I went to an area where I shouldn't have, you know, things of that nature, and I got ripped a new one. And so how am I supposed to feel about coming back the next time and talking about how my past went, my request went, or my visit went, or what have you?
2: Yes. Uh, Actually, it's funny that you say that, because I just wrote a note on my phone, my my handy dandy notepad, because I assume this may be a topic for another show, Mm -hmm. but I jotted show topic staff expectations, because that's exactly what this reminds me of. And what it brings me to is that that expectation level being set that we're not looking at John as John the client anymore. The simple fact that you are a coordinator and an older member in treatment means you've got it. You, you're you not making mistakes at this point. And to hear you come back and, you what? You <laughs> oh, you, you're not trusted anymore. Mm-hmm. We're shooting you. You missed you miss the whole boat. I'm mm-hmm. so disappointed in everything else. And it's this expectation level that just because you've got some clean time under your belt and you're in the third trimester and mm-hmm. you've shown that on some level you're, you're committed and you're doing well that you are somehow supposed to be superhuman, mm-hmm. different than the rest of the world in recovery that, oh, no, our uh, older members who are doing what you do don't fall on their head. They don't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And if you did, it's because you cheated the whole way to get where you're at. (laughs) You've you've been lying to us. You've slid through. (laughs) Exactly. We're shooting
1: you back down to the maintenance crew.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that's, and I, and so it may be a good topic for after this, because it kind of, it does tie into, I believe almost a, a, a staff expectation. That's not realistic. Um, or just a bar that's set solely because of what you've accomplished in the cocoon, right? But not yet in the real world, which right. is a far different beast, right? But because oh, this is this is how well you've done in the womb. In the womb, oh, it's it's going to be no problem. And if there is a problem, you're basically you've lied to everybody and you've managed to sneak your way to whatever level you're on or whatever the case may be.
1: Mm-hmm. When more often than not. The reality is, is when a person steps out in the third trimester, you know, there's a whole lot of feelings. There's anxiety. There's fear. There's trepidation. There's um, doubt. Um, there's insecurity in various aspects, and all of those things have to be overcome for the person to revert back to. The tools. And if we don't uh understand that that this this is what the person is going through when they step out of the womb, then it is going to uh cloud our expectations or, or, or cause us to have expectations that are unrealistic. And that's where it becomes very important for for me as the as the counselor, uh I have to be, to be aware is to be alive. How many times have have I said this? That's why it's one of my favorite unwritten philosophies, because it applies to so many things across the board. To be aware is to be alive. I have to be aware of my own self, my own thoughts, my own feelings, manage my own expectations so that I don't project them onto someone that I might be counseling. That does them no service. They are are already a ball of feelings, regardless of what they may show on the exterior. Because if you heard me earlier in the show, I said most people feel the same way in similar circumstances. So regardless of what a client presents externally, almost everybody, first time going out, first time being exposed, first time out of the womb, we all feel the same way. The only thing that separates us is how we deal with those feelings. So some of us are able to deal with it, put it in our back pocket, and don't let the feelings dictate or, or how we behave, how we act, what we do. And some allow the feelings to dictate what they do and what they or what they don't do. You know, so instead of instead of leaving the house and going out and socializing with mom and pop, I say, oh, no, I'm just going to stay home. I don't, you know, I don't want to go. They don't want to step out of the womb. And then, then, then you end up having to force people out. <laughs> That's right. You're not going to be here forever. You're going to get a tap on the shoulder eventually. That's right. So your 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 comment about expectations was well timed because that. That could have been a part that we we forgot that it's, you know, when when they're in that third trimester, we have to be careful also. We as counselors have to be careful of what it is that we're expecting of them as they go through that third trimester. Right. And making sure that we're creating an environment and a space for them to make, you know, a bad decision here and there, or make a mistake here and there, and be. And, and the most important thing is that they trust enough to come back. And to, to be you hear honest. me? Did you hear me? They trust enough to come back because that's the first. That's the most important thing, right? Come back.
2: Yeah, please. If you
1: don't come back, there's not. We can't. We can't help you. Right. 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 So we, they trust enough to come back, and by coming back and then sharing. We can then dig into it, get into it, cut it up, uh, di you know, analyze what what went wrong, where it went wrong, and say, okay, we're gonna go back out there and do this, you know, and try it again. We're gonna go right back out there and try it again. That's right. Because we sure as hell gonna put you back into the second try, <laughs> uh, put you back into the womb, and the, yeah, uh, there's no reverse. Uh, and get the amniotic the amniotic fluid in Ambiotic, there and say, oh, yeah. you know what, uh, embryotic, this, embryotic. Okay, this one needs uh, a little bit more time in there. Yeah, a little, no. more, a little more marinating.
2: Yeah, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. That's not gonna no, happen. There's no reversal. Not gonna happen. Yeah, temper, temper the expectations a little bit.
1: Quick break before we close out on this topic.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's take a quick break, and we do have a couple callers, so we'll uh, close on the Move other on, side on the and other other get, side. We'll get to us. Sounds good. We'll mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back to Roach Home Recovery. 646-564-9909 is the number. We are wrapping up our top show topic for today, the third trimester. Uh, one of the things we didn't uh, talk about is, is the, the, the subtitle, reentry, or is it entry? So in one context, when you enter the third trimester, you are are in a semi-reentry phase because you're, you're you're exposing yourself. You're out of the womb now, going out into society, um, getting back, you know, reunifying. Um, for some, they might start employment, uh, re- restart school, and so on and so forth. Um, but in another context, it can be looked at as Entry now. Now, who might that context apply to?
2: The entry
1: phase. Yeah. So, the third trimester. This is what I'm saying here. So yeah. It's a semi-trick question. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, on the I'm, I'm, I,
2: I like to do this okay. on the spot. So, we would we
1: would we would all agree that the third trimester is somewhat of a re-entry into society phase. That's correct. Okay. It, you know, might start off slow, but eventually ramps up because you're you're getting ready to get out of the womb totally. Right. You know, we're getting ready to open the window, open the front doors, and, you know, at some point the, the, you're going to feel the foot in your back and, and, and mama's saying, all right, out of here. I'm tired of carrying you for nine months. Right. Okay. So that's a re-entry into society. Yeah. But in a different context, follow me now. I'm following so in a, far, I in think. A different context yep. for some people, okay, in recovery, it's an entry. Okay. Now who would that be?
2: Person would it be? Yeah, here? who who
1: who would those people be where that this would actually not be a re entry for them, but actually an entry.
2: Hmm. Uh Well, so two things come to mind. One would either be somebody who has not ever lived in the community clean and sober. so Someone maybe like you said, I've been using since 11 or something like that. And so this might be the first time you're entering into the adult world clean and sober. Um, that's the first kind of client or person that um comes to mind. Uh, the second type, I think I had it and I may have lost it, but maybe someone, this is like their first go, so to speak, their, their first round or bout with treatment as opposed to, you know, multiple attempts or whatever the case may be. Once again, you've aced your exam. Yes, well done. Um,
1: yeah, it's the, it's the person who. Really has no frame of reference of what it's like to 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 be clean and sober. Right. They they've started using so young that they, there's nothing to fall back on. Right. So they're out they're out the door with, you know, you are basically re, you know, re, uh, rebuilding them from scratch in terms of a constructive life. Yeah. So that's the person I'm thinking about when when I when I wrote the question. Or is it entry? Because for some, it actually is. Right. So you got an A minus and A plus. You put those two together, divided by two, average it out, comes out to we're a, B, a B minus.
2: We're, at, we're, we're <laughs> averaging an A there.
1: On when if you use the day top curve, that's a B minus.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. <laughs> that's very true. Um.
1: So that's the third trimester. You know, we've, we've we, you know, we, you're, you're going out, you've tested, you've come back, you've, uh, you've you've talked about it, you've shared about it, and we sent you back out there again. And before you know it, you know, the majority, you know, near the end of that third trimester, the majority of your time is outside of the treatment environment. And it's necessary for it to be that way. Yeah. Because you just can't be full board treatment, then boom,
2: you're out. No.
1: You know, there's just quite this process. Of exposing you, exposing you, exposing you, and then you know where you're you're out so much when you come back. Oh, where you been? I haven't seen you. Yeah. you know, I Hardly see you anymore. You know. Um, and it's it's all it's all designed to allow you to ease your way out
2: That's of right. the world. Have you ever seen What About Bob? No. Baby steps. For those of you out there who are listening who've seen What About Bob. <laughs>
1: Baby steps. Now, I closed with ease your way out of the womb. And so I will now have to uh, tell a story before Uh-oh. we close. All right. As you know, I have two daughters. Yes. I was fortunate enough to watch both of them take their first, first breaths wow, okay. in the world. Uh, the oldest came eased her way out of the womb, came out Smiling. Okay. I tell you no lie. She came out, doctor rolled her up my wife's, you know, stomach and chest and smile on her face. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the younger one, however
2: Ooh, a different story. Different
1: story entirely. <laughs> okay. Uh you know, they they thought she had swallowed some things and uh it was almost like the moment she came out and took her first breath. They whisked her off to the side and were sticking their fingers down her throat. Now, and I have all of this on on camera, by the way.
2: Holy moly. Okay.
1: Now, this is how I knew what her personality was going to be. The whole time they were trying to, because they thought she had swallowed. I, I don't know what they thought she'd swallowed while she, while she was in the womb. But, so they're sticking their fingers in her mouth trying to clear her throat or whatever. She is fighting them with her hands you know, trying to pull their fingers away saying, get your damn hands out of my mouth so I can get some oxygen. Okay. Yeah. I didn't swallow anything. And eventually they let, you know, they they realized she didn't, you know, there's nothing in there, and they pull their hands out of her mouth. But from that moment, I knew I had a fighter.
2: Okay. There you have from it. From the
1: way she fought.
2: Fighting from the first hour.
1: From the first minute.
2: <laughs> All right. So, and it has, the,
1: you know, um, kind of describe their personalities.
2: Yeah. There you have it. That's a good story. From birth. Yeah, good story. That's pretty awesome.
1: All right. Anything we left out on the third trimester? Because you know what's coming next. Oh, yeah. You know what happens after the third trimester, folks.
2: That's right. It's not over
1: after the third trimester. Uh-uh.
2: That's right. No, I'm, I'm
1: not going to tell you the title.
2: Yeah, we gotta, You'll we see it when I post leave it. Leave them in suspense a little bit.
1: But you'll know what it is. When you see it, you'll be like... Oh, yeah. This is exactly what happens after the third trimester.
2: The next step. No, I don't think we forgot anything. I think it was pretty well covered.
1: Okay. Why don't we,
2: uh, if there's nothing else, why don't we close,
1: do a music break?
2: Sure, yeah. We'll do our little top of the hour transition.
1: Right, and then come back with our recovery support time.
2: Awesome. Yeah, for those of you who are on hold, thank you so much for being patient with us. We are looking forward to taking your calls on the other side.
0: Recovery is a program of OCG radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment, and recovery. Our recovery support time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment, or recovery. You can reach our hosts live by calling six four six five six four nine nine zero nine thats six four six Five six four nine nine zero nine, Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery Support Time. A time for us to help you.
1: Welcome back to Roach on Recovery, 646-564-9909. We're in our recovery support time, so let's go right to the phone. Let's go to Esmeralda, who's been holding a while, from San Mateo. Welcome. Hi. Hi, how are you?
5: I'm good. How are you? Good. So, How can we help you? Um, my question is, how long do you think um, to get a good solid foundation in a program, how long should you do in a program to get a solid foundation?
1: Say at least three, four, five years. <laughs>
5: three, four, five years. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> hmm.
1: How long? Okay. How long are you asking for yourself or just general?
5: In, in general, for someone to um, like just get a solid foundation and be able to um, go out there and be able to like um, maintain alone without like feeling like they're gonna fall off.
1: I it it always depends, for me to if someone was asking me that i would always want to know how long have they been in the life so if someone says i you know i've been in the life 10 15 20 years i would always say look you need to devote a good year of your of your of your life to when i say treatment i mean the whole continuum it doesn't mean okay. that a person has to be in residential for a whole year but they should get a good residential foundation some aftercare and stay connected, one year. Okay. Is that a lot to is that a lot? Do you think that's a lot to ask? Have you been using for ten years?
5: Actually, I've been using more than ten years. I've been using for fifteen.
1: Okay. Do you think one year is a lot to ask of you?
5: Um, I think a year is not a lot compared to the rest of my life. A year is like almost nothing, actually.
1: Good attitude.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you could pass that on to whomever you come into contact with on your <laughs> journey, that would be great if everybody could take that stance.
5: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Um, it's different for everybody, but, yeah, if you've been using that long, uh, I said you got to give yourself at least, you know, Twelve months start to build a foundation.
2: Yeah. You
1: know? And and you deserve it. You're worth you're worth it. Twelve you if you're not worth twelve months and you've been out there twenty years, come on.
2: Yeah, no. I completely agree. What? A oh, year? That's a long time, man. <laughs> yeah, but
1: you've been out there <laughs> doing your thing for twenty years. Yeah. And you won't give up one year to get your life back together? I'll give you ninety days. <laughs>
2: Well, and that's the response you typically get, which is why it was mm-hmm. really refreshing to hear her say, oh, what's a year for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you.
1: Yeah. All right, let's go to Sarah from Northern California. It's a large part of a, it's a large area. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How Welcome, are you doing Sarah? Tonight? She's remaining thank off the grid. Much. Good. Mm-hmm. How are you? <clears throat>
6: doing well. Um, My question was, I was wondering why addicts are uh, attracted or gravitate towards other addicts, especially in relationships, or if that's something that you find as well.
1: Um, I don't, well, I hear of it often, Uh and that's a good, that's a very good question. So it, it, it makes me wonder... Is it just by happenstance that they find each other, or is it like at NA gatherings, AA gatherings, and things of that nature, where they right. find each other, Mr. Right. It, um,
6: yeah, I've come across it actually in quite a few different you know situations um, for myself and other people as well. You know, in inpatient situations, this kind of creates an artificial environment. I, from what I understand from other people, Um yep. And also a lot of, you know, people who are in the fellowship and AA, just, you know, outpatient kind of situations, a lot of people, you know, bond, you know get together and things like that. Um, but I've also noticed for myself that, you know, some people that I've met that have 20 years of sobriety may not be actively working on, like, the 12-step program kind of thing, but people tend to gravitate towards each other, and you don't know that the person is in recovery, you know, in the beginning kind of thing. But it just that's the unusual situation that I have found.
1: Well let, let me ask you this because you brought, you mm-hmm. actually brought up another good uh, interesting point I should say. If if you don't know Right. You know what I'm saying? And right. that's something that's found out later on, that's that's a totally mm-hmm. to me that's a totally different story. Because right, it's, true. it's you don't know and it's it's learned through the process of the relationship evolving and, you know, trust mm-hmm. developing and the person talking about their background, et cetera. Um, But as you noted, you know, where people are, you know, together in inpatient programs or in fellowship at AA or NA and they, you know, get themselves into relationships, you know, I'm a strong advocate against that. All right. Because they fail at a high rate, like 99.9% of the time.
6: Wow. Okay. Okay. Okay, That yeah, that was my question.
1: All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you come into, you know, happenstance, you meet somebody and you don't know their background and they're doing their thing and then you find out after being with them for a certain amount of time that, you know, that, wow, you know, in, in, in another life, you know, they were in the life and, they you know, they've been doing their thing for 20 years. That's, it is what it is.
2: There is a bit of natural gravitation mm-hmm. there. Um, scientifically speaking, or what's been researched, mm-hmm. addicts, um, generally speaking, tend to be huge codependents mm-hmm. and have issues with that. Mm-hmm. And codependents, kind of like a positive and negative magnetic Mag- charge, <laughs> they they cling together, so to speak. Um, and then there, it also has to do a lot with, and recovery is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Not so much... Addicts in their addiction, because you you will naturally f- typically find somebody in the crowd that you associate with,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but in recovery um because it becomes easier to and a feel good on some level to fix someone else as opposed to fixing yourself mm-hmm. and that ties right back into the codependent cycle, and so there is a bit of a natural gravitation there, and even if you don't know mm-hmm. that individual used to be an addict because. Um this is also kind of studied when looked at um people who are victims mm-hmm. of sexual trauma tend to be victimized more than once and it's uh it has to do with a predators can subconsciously pick up on people who put themselves out there as victims
3: mm-hmm.
2: and once you've been victimized you're you tend to be in that situation again because of kind of a mannerism or a way in which you carry yourself so the same thing happens with people who are in addiction or were in an addiction, as far as codependency, and you can kind of give off those signals just in the way mm-hmm. you communicate and carry yourself, where that charge is working, even if you don't know it You're is. Unconsciously aware, and that's of it. been studied, especially in actual like uh, sexual crime and stuff like that. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. I tell you, this show is unbelievable. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Right. You want to you want to go no screen? We got a we got a call on here that I haven't been able to screen yet due okay. to that explanation.
1: Okay, all right, we'll go no screen. Uh, we'll take a risk. We're not risk averse. <laughs> welcome to Roach on Recovery. Your name and hometown, please.
5: Um, Wongoy, I'm from Reba City.
1: Hi, welcome.
5: Hi, um, I was wondering what. Um, other recovery models are there besides behavioral and 12-step? That's
1: it. That's it? (laughs) (laughs) Is there something else you're looking for other than those two?
5: No, I was just wondering. um, I was in a uh, a class and someone was speaking about different models and, and those two were mentioned, but I was given the impression that there were other ones, and I was just curious to know what they were.
1: But I think sometimes people might confuse model or use them interchangeable models, no use, and so on and so forth. But I guarantee any program, let's say even a program that's based on the twelve steps, if you dig into it. The twelve steps are trying to do what?
5: Address the behavior.
1: Change your change your behavior, change your attitude, change your, your, your outlook. Mm-hmm. And if you go into a program that's not twelve step based, even if they have twelve steps, you know, you know, in there, incorporated or, or as part of it, but it's, that's not the base of the program. And it's a program that's focused mainly on, you know, your attitude, your behavior, and and working on things like that. It's focused on what
5: um recovery
1: no your attitude and your behavior oh when you dig so even one that's obvious i.e. a behavior modification program so it says it even mm-hmm. in the title so it's focused on mm-hmm. you know working on your behavior and your attitude et cetera, but even in 12 steps when you look at the steps
2: Mm-hmm. The things
1: they're trying to do—they're trying to get you to do di- things differently, think differently, change the way you behave.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, in your question, ultimately, all—I all, I think I can safely say—all all programs, on some level, deal with changing the way a person thinks, their attitude, and how they act. Mhm. Okay. Would you—would you agree, Mr. Producer?
2: Yeah, I would. Yeah, on some level for sure. I think uh, best practice or what's most commonly practiced is the two things that you mentioned, Wongo, are behavioral CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or just behavior modification, and um, a 12-step model. Now, I know there are. there's one particular model out there, which again, I, I believe just as the host said, on some level when you peel back the layers of the onion, they're looking at changing your attitude, your outlook, your behavior, but um, models that are very, very spiritual in their foundation, um, and uh, you know, I guess spiritual is a good word to use because religion has other connotations. But spiritually based, where you're looking at maybe going to a program where um, there is a practice of some form of uh, religion or spirituality that is the focal point of your your recovery. Um, you know, surrendering to Uh, God or, you know, whatever God a particular religion may practice. But I think even AA, you know, ties in some of that as far as a higher power and things of that nature. Um, But, yeah, I think something that's really incredibly spiritually based uh, would be another model out there. But, again, um, as far as what's been researched and studied and the most common thing you're going to find out there are forms of behavior modification as well as 12-step and they usually overlap yeah. a little bit. So. Yeah. Does that help?
5: Yes, it does.
2: Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right. Bye bye. That was a good
2: question. It was a good question.
1: Okay. Do
2: you want to go to the X Files?
1: Let's let's pull out one or two from the X Files. Let's get it done. All right. Um. <laughs> here we go on this one, folks. Hold. hold. <laughs> Buckle up, tight, your seat. tighten the seatbelt a little bit, because uh, we're not going to run from this question. When dealing with a sex addiction, here we go. How does one go about no longer viewing sex as lust and moving towards intimacy while in recovery?
2: Okay, a couple of layers to that one. Huh? Yes, yes, yes. Do you want me to go first, or you go first? Why don't you go ahead and take the lead on this one? <laughs> I'll follow you. Okay. So first things first.
1: If if the person has either self-identified or or has been diagnosed as having a legitimate sex addiction, so that's something in and of itself that needs treatment. Tiger Woods. <laughs> that needs tr- that's something by itself that needs treatment. Yeah. So we'll set that off to the side. Agreed. Okay. So the second part of his question is uh okay so I'm dealing with you know the sex addiction part and I want to move away from the way I view sex and get and move it towards a more uh in in my I guess in my relationships learn how to uh view it through a lens of intimacy right rather than through just this this action um and or you know, thing that I feel I need to do all the time.
2: Yeah, what, so are, you, what are you seeking out? Exactly. Right.
1: So um, he's aiming to do this or solve this while in recovery. Right. So I'm just going to be crumbling up some paper here to mimic. That's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, you have to get deep into a person's psyche. And I would say that that's beyond our scope, even in the program that we operate. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Because when a person either self-identifies or has been diagnosed and say they have a sex sex addiction, you are not going to in a drug and alcohol treatment program, on its own, okay, deal with the ancillary effects of that sex sex addiction, which is what he's asking in the second part of his question. Right, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is actually dealt with in the sex addiction counseling or therapy. Sure. Okay. We wouldn't deal with that here in the substance abuse program.
2: Yeah, that's accurate. You know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah. Um, so I don't know,
2: is my answer. That's a safe
1: answer. And now you go.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would have to say, you know, essentially the same thing. I think one thing that makes the sex addiction or that bit that aspect of an addiction challenging is that there are biological drivers there mm-hmm. uh, that operate on a subconscious level as a human species your role on earth is to make sure your dna gets passed on and on and on and so on can i
1: interrupt sure just for the record to make sure we're we're talking about people who actually have real sex addiction, not the people who got caught cheating on their wives and claim they have sex addiction. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, because that's the safe way out. Yeah, no, actual, yeah, the actual addiction. But, yeah, there's, there's a biological driver behind that for sure, which is one aspect. Again, ultimately I'm in the same boat mm-hmm. you are that I don't know because I've never practiced counseling in that particular field. But I would imagine that that adds to... Uh, a part of the challenge or hurdle almost similar to those who struggle with alcohol Mm -hmm. in a facility versus meth or heroin because like sex, alcohol, they're both socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. When you reach a certain age, they're both legal. Mm -hmm. And so um, that becomes, I guess you could throw gambling into that. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've mentioned some of these things in shows past where some of these things they they're socially acceptable they happen and so um that adds another kind of element to treating that issue okay but i would say kind of like you said if if we're looking at the question of how do i start to view someone to have like an intimate relationship um it's like what you're seeking what you're after mm-hmm. you know are you looking to make a friend and establish a bond and grow from that point? Or are you looking to service one need? So So, I don't know. (laughs) So we got two, I don't (laughs) know. That's right.
1: Uh, I'll leave his name out of the equation. Uh, Beth from Pacifica. Why is it so hard to break bad habits that do not benefit our lives? Boy, I'll tell you, if that's, you can that's answer a human, that's a human question. That's not that's yeah. not really a question I mean, for. if you can for,
2: answer for, that, I'm listening right for, now for, for for
1: addicts. I mean, the the best example of that is is someone who smokes cigarettes. Hmm. Okay, we we know cigarettes aren't good for you, even though I mean there's isolated people who live to 120 smoking two packs of Winston Salem's unfiltered a day. Yeah. Okay. For 100 years, right? And so you look at them and you say, Oh, well, wow, look at that. What happened with them? They lived a hundred years. Yeah. But it's generally accepted. Would you say that smoking is not a healthy thing to do? Yes. Right. Okay. All right. So what makes it so difficult? People know it's not good for them, right? So yeah. what is it? Well, I always say I, I believe nicotine is the most addictive drug known to man. That's my opinion. And because of that. You know, you got a physical addiction, and then you have the habitual side of it that people develop. You know, they smoke when they're on the phone. They smoke after they eat. They smoke when they get in the car. They smoke when they do this, you know, and that. And so, you know, it's a bad habit. Yeah. Okay? And that's when we're talking about a chemical. Okay? Now, if she's speaking specifically to, um, you know, habits that people might have, while while habits that people might have developed in their addiction not not the habit of using but other maybe behavioral type of bad biting habits biting
2: your nails you know,
1: biting your nails or i mean i really can't think of like you know other than the actual bad habit of using you know do you develop other bad you know because there're certain things that are endemic in 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 the addiction like you might you know your 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 mood and personality are altered a little bit so you might do things you wouldn't ordinarily do sure you know what i mean you you talk bad to your parents you you know you know you you act differently
2: yeah okay you know what i'm
1: saying mm-hmm. but once you get off the drugs and get cleaned up those things kind of go away and and the real person the way you normally are comes to the fore yeah so she didn't list any particular habits, so it's hard to say. Why is it hard to break bad habits? Because
2: it's hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like that. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: If it was easy, it wouldn't be a bad habit.
2: Right, or a habit, yeah, generally speaking.
1: I tell you, we're full of answers today.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, I'm digging deep into the X-Files.
2: we got a... We got a call uh, again. I'll let, you, I'll let you screen it.
1: Okay. Uh, we want to dig- go screen first? I'm, I'm gonna, you can screen it, but I'll dig deep into the X Files. <laughs> All right. This one. <clears throat> because this is a good question. Uh what advice would you give me? This is from Zach um about uh battling co occurring mental health issues and addiction. And this is uh to me a great question because this is is, is more prevalent in recovery than people either talk about, or it is spoken about generally, or people admit. And the advice or the recommendation I would give, especially if someone is aware that they have co-occurring issues on the mental health side, is that they continue to make sure that they receive assistance with that, whether that be counseling, whether that, that be therapy, whether that be medication that they've been prescribed to deal with a particular mental health issue that they they continue to do those things so that you know there's always a question or there has been a question of the, of the chicken or the egg when it comes to mental health or substance abuse did the mental health issue whatever it may have been or may be drive was that the driver of the person becoming a substance user? Or is the mental health issue a result of the substance use? Well, those questions will continue to be debated long after I'm gone, but for the individual the question can be answered through a therapist assessing them and determining what is the background of the person and more often than not, if there's been a traumatic experience early in life that has impacted the person, you can pretty much pinpoint that as the driver of mental health issues that may have come forth, not including, so I'm exempting, anything that might be biological, hereditary, et cetera. So I want to make that clear. Because there are some mental health things that are hereditary, that can, you know, go through families. So I'm not talking I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to traumatic things that then drive mental health issues, cause people to suffer from anxiety, depression, and things of that nature. I'm not talking about schizophrenia or um other serious mental health disorders. But again the recommendation would be to make sure we stay on top of it. Just like we're seeing on top of the things we need to do in our substance abuse side that we're seeing on top of the things that have to do with mental health if you have both of those issues. Uh, Another one I want to pull from the X-Files. This is an ongoing question, so I'm going to address it again. Um, Todd from San Mateo. What should one look for in obtaining a sponsor? again, a sponsor is a person that's going to support you in your recovery. And what you should be looking for is someone that you mesh with well, someone that you find easy to talk to, someone that is supportive, someone that is open, someone that is that allow, allows, remember we talked about it previously, that allows room for mistake, bad decision, errors in judgment, Someone that's trustworthy. Someone that you can confide in. So these are the the, the the character traits that you want to find in a sponsor. Now, I want to just add this last thing. Anyone can fill that role. It doesn't have to be someone that's a, I know there's no such thing, I'm just making this up, a licensed sponsor. But anyone who is in support of you and what you're trying to do in your recovery can fill that role. They don't have to have the official title. Just keep that in mind. Sounds good, all right? All right, what we got? Let's, oh. You got the double whammy.
2: Hey, (sighs) Hey, the, day, the Daily Double. Day, the Daily Double. <laughs> we need that sound bite on the <laughs> the Jeopardy sound bite. Yep. All right, let's go to
1: Kimberly from Half Moon Bay. Welcome. Hi. Hi, um, how are
7: you? I'm, I'm doing good. Um, I wanted to ask you? a – excuse me?
3: How can we how, help you?
7: I wanted to know why um, it's so important not to isolate if you're a drug addict or and an alcoholic And the reason I ask that is because I have a mental disorder which is bipolar At level 2, or no, level 1 And um, if I go, if I'm around a lot of people a lot Or I go to the mall And the external stimuli is um, high You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, the energies from people Or, you know, shopping and everything I literally have to um, walk outside and and be you know just fifteen twenty minutes by myself because it's it's almost like it's not a trigger to go buy dope or drink but there's another thing that happens which I don't know if you have an idea of. Well,
1: let me let me interrupt you for a second. Sure. But your quest, your question is why why is. Wh- while in recovery, why is it important not to isolate? That's the question yeah. that you ask. Correct?
7: Yeah, 'cause I'm I'm going to well, be in recovery for the rest of my life. I mean
1: Okay. Well yeah. general generally speaking, okay mm-hmm. when 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 it, when we refer to a person isolating yeah. it's it's not what you described. See what you described is, you know, because of issues that you may have depending on the environment you're in, there may be time, you know, from time to time, you may need to have your own space. Be by yourself a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's okay. Okay. What's not okay, what's not okay is if a person is doing that too much. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because too much isolation you know so we don't want the the, the two extremes of either side
7: i, I okay. yeah, yeah, try
1: and find a happy medium, but mm-hmm. if you if 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 being around a lot of let's say like you were talking about being in the mall and you know you're too many people and you might start to get a little bit of anxiety and you gotta step outside to kind of you know calm your nerves down a little bit, nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that, okay. nothing wrong with that at all, okay, okay, and a little bit of isolation is good for the soul.
7: Well, that's good to know, um I, my mom and my dad, um, I I'll be living with them again and um, you know, these certain my recovery has took another you know, gone to another level. Mm-hmm. Which um you know, my mom and dad are interested in knowing about relapse and um isolation and all that stuff and um and there have been a few times where I've told my mom I need to go outside. There's just too much around me, and right. um, it's, it's it's very important to me that to to tell her that it wasn't because I need a drug or a fix, um, but yeah. I didn't know you how to explain it to time. her. You
1: need some time and space. Okay. You just need to say I just need I just it just got too too much for me at that moment and and. Stepping outside and just getting a few minutes of time and space by myself helps me cope with whatever was going on at that moment before.
7: Yeah. My therapy. Yeah.
1: You have to. You you. What this? What you're gonna to have to do, Kimberly? Then we have to go because we're short on time. You're right. gonna have to bring them. You're gonna have to bring them along slowly. So it's very important okay. that you're you, you, that you're okay with saying that. You know, mom. I just needed to step outside for a few minutes so I can just get get myself together. That's all it okay. was. Okay.
3: Okay. You know what I'm saying?
1: And then they yeah. have to understand. They have to come to be able to understand that. And see yeah. that there's nothing wrong with that. That they don't take the attitude that oh that that seems a abnormal. Well no. A lot of people do that. <laughs> a lot of people do
2: that.
3: Yeah, and yeah.
1: you know,
7: I you know, understand? I know. I mean, I know i'm I've diff- got this other stuff going on and causes a little bit more um to the the whole situation of recovery and stuff, but um, they trust me, they know I'm not gonna drink or use um because they've heard of the situations that have gone on, but they kind of like watch me when i'm going i like go out to the mall and stuff or outside. And I just tell well, my mom. Because I, they,
1: that's because they kind of, they you're their daughter, right? Yes. Okay, well, they know their child. Okay. I'll call, so, I'll, I'll, leave you, I'll leave you with that, okay?
7: Okay. <laughs>
1: they know their child.
7: Okay, so isolation is okay once in a while. Yes, it is. All right, thank you.
1: All right, you're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye.
7: God, bye-bye.
1: All right, let's go real quick to... Marvin, Daily City, welcome.
4: Hi, happy Tuesday. My name is Marvin.
1: Hello, Marvin. How um, can we
4: help you? Hi, just um, I need the uh, guidance on this uh, area that uh, I'm about to make a decision with. Um, I Spill have it. two options. <laughs> I have two options on where I'm going to be staying at eventually. In a couple of months, um, I'm choosing either I go to a, uh, to a sober and living housing, or go to back to my mom and my sister. In you know in in the area, which you know it's my hometown, it's where I'm familiar with. And the transitional housing, I mean the sober and living environment housing, is in Belmont, and um, you know, I'm in a point of my life that um, I need to make this decision where to go um, so what's, right now. So what's what's
1: what's the what's the question or what's the problem that you think we can help you with regarding that?
4: Um, the question is, um, how can you uh, give me a, a guidance where to go to? Because um, in in Belmont it's a new area for me and um, I'm actually... It's a new area, uh, however... I'm,
1: all right, I'm, let me ask you, Marvin, let me ask you this yeah. question. I don't mean to interrupt. What do you want to do? Do you want to go home, or do you want to go to a a, a sober living environment?
4: I want to go to a sober living environment. Cause I'm, I, I met some uh, good friends, uh, true friends that actually are living there too. Um, so why map. don't
1: you? So why don't you? Why don't you go there?
4: Yeah, I'm thinking about that and the. the thing but I, that I got a question. I, I got
1: a. I got a question yeah. for you, though, Marvin. Yes. Because you sound like there's something else going on that you're not saying. Is there pressure from the family?
4: Um. There's a little bit... Yeah, you're right. There's a
1: pressure
4: yeah, there. Yes, because and, yes, my yes mother, or no. You know, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. I'm 39 years old. And,
1: Marvin? Uh, you know, Marvin? I,
4: I kinda, yeah.
1: Marvin? See, if I keep saying Marvin, and the next thing people are going to want me to say is... Uh, what's, what's, what's that after uh, Marvin Gay?
4: Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but, so, Marvin,
1: you're getting yeah. pressure from the family, right?
4: Something like that, yeah.
1: Yes. Just say I want you to say yes. I'm getting pressure from yes. the family. Good. Yes. That's what a man's got to do. A man's got to say, yes, I'm getting pressure from my family. So this is what Marvin has to do. Marvin has to do whatever is in Marvin's best interest. And the family will come around. Understand. understand? Yes. You have to do what's in your best interest. And if going to a sober living home is in your best interest and you go there and the family, but the family says, no, come home, come home, come home. You have to stand up, be a man or woman, and maintain your boundaries of your decision-making as a grown person and say, no, this is in my best interest for me to go here first, do what I need to do, continue what I'm doing, continue to progress, do what I need to do while I'm there, that doesn't mean going back home may not be a, a, an option down the road, but this is the pro this is the the progression that I want to take. And then the family, they may be hurt, they may be disappointed, but they will still be in your corner. They will get over their feelings. I understand. Don't worry about upsetting the family. Do what's in your best interest. Okay. All right.
4: Yes. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. Probably Thank you.
4: Make my decision.
1: Okay. You're very welcome. Bye bye, Marvin.
4: Bye. God bless you guys.
1: Okay. All right. You too. Thank you.
4: Happy Tuesday.
1: In the happy Tuesday, indeed. Yeah, you can't be pressured. You can't be pressured by the family. No. Uh, and and. You know, in some cultures it's extreme pressure. Yes. yes. Extreme pressure. You're you're coming home.
2: Right, no, you gotta be strong. You gotta do what you know is best for you.
1: All right, you wanna dig into these X
2: files again? We can go a couple more X Files. How much time we got?
1: We got about nine minutes. Okay. Um We dealt with that on the sponsor. I can't understand what this person says. The handwriting
2: I, is poor or you don't get no, the, the, f- the, yeah, gist the, the question. No,
1: the first word. I don't know what that first word is, but let's go I'll let's go to the second one. Um Brian is asking, do you have some good advice about moving past my negative history of using?
2: I'm not really sure what that means.
1: Well, I know what it means, but it's it's something and, 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 that's really vague and, to me Anna. well, everybody who has used ultimately has a negative history of using,
2: so is he referring to the guilt that he feels behind the negative history, or
1: um this is just my guess um that it is and it's not possible it you know can I not think about it? Can I not have a dream? Dream, you know. You know you're gonna dream sure. about it. Um,
2: How do you rid yourself from that part of your life? Yeah. No, there's no, no. No.
1: You have to accept that part of your life. That's what you did, right? That's what you experienced. Those are the choices you made. That's the life you led. Yep. And what you want to think about is that there's going to be a point in the future where you're going to look back and and, and be able to say that was a part of my life, but it wasn't my entire life, and it didn't define my life. Right. But we sure, I mean, I'm not going to throw away that part of my life.
2: Right, no. Uh Uh-uh, you can't. You can't. And you can also learn from it. I know a lot of yeah. people say they don't regret anything because no. everything that they did to this point has got them to where they're at. and yeah. If they're happy with where they're at, then, hey, this is the way it needed to be. Yeah.
1: So, once again, we have no advice for them. I
2: don't know the answer.
1: We're doing, we're doing well today on, <laughs> on the advice
2: column. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The X-Files are rough right now. Can't you give us an easy one?
1: Hey, well, here's, uh, here's Eric. How can, I, how can I set boundaries with old friends?
2: Oh, there we go.
1: Man up. <laughs> That's it. I mean, you got to man up. You got to woman up. I mean, what else is there to say? You can't. I mean, the only way you're gonna to for that they're going to respect the new you and the boundaries that you have incorporated is by defending them. That's right. Maintaining them, stating what they are if if it needs to be stated. And one of the things I've always said, really, true friends because You know, you can have true, you know, true friends who are still on the other side of the fence, but they respect where you are. Right. And they're not trying to drag you back. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And you are empathetic and sympathetic to where they still may be. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But... You have got to be if if those aren't the type of friends you have, and you have the type of friends that are constantly that you think are going to violate your boundaries. And, and what I mean by violate, if someone says to you, "You know, let's go to the bar and I have some drinks," and they know that you're you're in recovery from alcoholism, uh-huh, the violation of your boundaries, of course. You want a couple of toads of this joint? Violation of your boundaries, or or going somewhere an area where you shouldn't be because of your past violation. And they know that it's a violation of your boundaries. But how is that going to, who's, going, who's responsible for enforcing that? If those are the type of quote unquote, my hands are off in quotes, friends that you have. Right. Number one, you need, you need new friends. <laughs> yeah. That's number one. First and foremost. And number two, you got to stand up and defend yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. That's right. Defend your boundaries. Oh man, we got one answer. One answer uh, right today.
2: Yeah, but that but that one was solid. I mean, that's a that's a no doubter. That's a that's a perfect answer to that question.
1: Robert K from San Francisco. He wants to know how long into his recovery will until his triggers diminish. Hmm.
2: It's different for everybody. They won't. <laughs> No. So,
1: depends what the triggers are, yep. obviously. Because um, if it's deep stuff, that takes longer. Of course, yeah. If it's material things, they diminish quickly. They're geographic things. You know, to me, geography, when I say geography, like a story you used to hang out. Yeah, location you used to hang out, things of that nature... Are really your ability to to flip the meaning of what that meant, that aspect of your life when you hung out there, or when you used to do your dirt there, or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Because the store ain't going nowhere, and unless you've moved to another area where you're not going to be going by the store anymore, I mean, what's going to happen every time you go past the store? Right. Yeah. You know, it's gonna, it is gonna. I mean, you're gonna, you
2: you, you, think it's gonna be in your memory
1: or... bank because that's something you used to do. So. You know, I was thinking the other day. I'm going to pose a question to you, Mr. Producer. Put you yeah. on the spot again today. Sure. If they came out with something where they said, you know what, we can we can't pinpoint memories. Like we can't say we can't take this particular memory away, but we can wipe, wipe your memory clean. Mm-hmm. And so all the troubles, all the trauma that you've experienced, all that stuff that's weighing you down, that you're having a difficult time getting past. Okay, we can wipe it clean, but it takes everything. That's that's the whole, that's the, the caveat, it takes everything. Did I pronounce it right this time?
2: Caveat. What, what did I say? Caveat. Okay. It's that first A you're having problems okay. with. Okay,
1: so that's the caveat.
2: It, it wipes everything clean. Uh, Would you take it? No. All right. And that's not a caveat either, because I wouldn't take it, even if it, didn't take the good stuff too, even if they said, we'll just take the bad stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't chase would it? it. <laughs> no. Uh uh-uh. uh. Everything, no, no. To me, the, the character that you become or that you build within yourself involves both the good and the bad. You can't, no, I don't want to be rid of any experience because I think I dr- grow just as much, if not more, from remembering. Some of the bad experiences. I do the good experience.
1: All right. I got a, I want to get one a good one in because this is a, this is. He's trying to be slick with this question. Oh okay. Okay. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, get on him on the air, and if he ever listens to the podcast, he'll hear it.
2: Well, slick is my middle name, so okay. I'm ready. So
1: this is from Eric from Salinas. Here's the question.
2: If you're a man,
1: why is recovery such an easy place to have intimate relations with a female?
2: If you're a man
1: so I'm thinking what he means by why is recovery is like if i'm in why if I'm in treatment in a co-ed facility
2: yeah why why does being a man make it so easy to get, have mm-hmm. a
1: relationship? No, that's not what I'm reading into his question how i uh, I'm reading that what he's actually saying is. Uh, you know, well, why is it such easy pickings?
2: If you're and, a man. And,
1: and yeah, and, and, you know, in, in, a, in a co-ed facility to get into a relationship. Why is it so easy for me? All I got to do is boom.
2: You, over here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, what it. I, that's
1: what I'm picking up in the, in the way in the question is asked. Read it again? If you're a man, just word for word, if you're a man, why is recovery such an easy place to have intimate relations with a female?
2: The way I read into that, or if I were listening to that is I think he's emphasizing the difference between it being easy for a man versus a man not in recovery like i e just a man out in the real world, maybe it's a little more challenging, but a man in recovery, it becomes a little a little easier versus how I originally heard it. I was thinking maybe he emphasized man because. He's saying for women, it may be more difficult than it is for a guy. Well, we know that's not no, true um, I, I got a,
1: a slime vibe on that one. Did uh, you yeah, I got a slime vibe
2: <laughs> no, I I'm, thought
1: he was trying to be slimy.
2: I'm thinking he's just saying why for a man, why is it easier in recovery versus outside of recovery I'm not
1: I'm not, no? it. That's not what all I'm right
2: hearing. okay
1: uh, just do we have enough time on it? Do we have enough time for one more call?
2: No, we don't unfortunately oh, okay. all right. Let's hope uh, they're listening now. We can tell them, who, whomever you are. We haven't screened you yet, but please call back next week. We're up against it. Okay. Good show. It was a good show. Hopefully everyone will be ready for... We
1: didn't have too many answers today.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> what comes next? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, we would like to thank everybody who's been calling in to listen and or participate, folks that are listening uh, not live, to the podcasts, um, everybody who continues to give us our continued support and who follows us, and and everyone who continues to come along on this ride. We are very appreciative of all who are participating on some level. So thank you again. We wish everybody a safe rest of their week and a great weekend. Happy and we, spring. Happy spring. And we look forward to talking to you all next Tuesday.
0: Our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at four pm Pacific Standard Time on BlogtalkRadio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash OCG Work and on Twitter at OCG You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio.